You're listening to the Citrus Church Podcast. Now, here's the message. Hey, it's Brian, and this week I'm in the village of Ovation as we continue our tour, Finding God in Horizon West. My hope with this sermon series is to introduce you to all six villages that make up Horizon West, helping you to better love where you live. And if you don't live here, don't tune out just yet. I hope that you can look at where you live, work, and play with fresh eyes. The village of Ovation is the final village that is just beginning to emerge. Let me show you around a little bit. Here is Orange County Fire Station 32. Here is the Ovation Village Center where you'll find smaller commercial offerings like restaurants. Here's one of the two elementary schools that serve Ovation residents. Here are some of the homes that make up the community. Okay, so there is not much here at this point, but over the next few years, this area by Avalon and Western Way will continue to grow. The infancy of this village reminds me that we have a responsibility and the privilege to help shape the future of this community. One of the unique things about Horizon West is that we're not a city, we do not have our own zip code, and we do not have a specific local government. We are a part of Orange County, and while we have county officials, we are just a part of their bigger responsibility. So in the end, it's up to us as residents to help shape the future of this community. We will set the example for the the culture and the community, and for better or for worse, we will shape this area. That's why many have called this not just Horizon West, but the Wild West. You know, Citrus Church is also a church in its infancy. It was just two years ago that we began worshiping together. And while we are a part of the United Methodist Church, the task of shaping this church and its culture and its values and its vision are in our hands. They're in your hands. And I get the privilege to serve as Citrus's pastor, but you, you know as much as I do that the church is the people of God working together with God's help. So my question is, are you in? Are you available? I've been inspired for a while by a quote from JD from Hillsong United that goes like this. God is looking for our availability more than our ability. That captures the entire ethic of Horizon West and Citrus Church. God is looking for people who are available to commit their resources, their time, their energy, and their talents to God's work. I've often said that I want people to be a part of Citrus Church and to get their fingerprints on it. I want each of you who call this your church home to feel like in some way you can stand back and you can say to yourself, I helped God's vision become a reality. Listen to how Paul puts it in Romans 12, verses 1 through 10. So brothers and sisters, because of God's mercies, I encourage you to present your bodies as a living sacrifice that is holy and pleasing to God. This is your appropriate priestly service. Don't be conformed to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your minds so that you can figure out what God's will is, what is good and pleasing and mature. Because of the grace God has given me, I can say to each of you, don't think of yourselves more highly than you ought to think. Instead, be reasonable since God has measured out a portion of faith to each one of you. We have many parts in one body, but the parts don't all have the same function. In the same way, 
though there are many of us, we are one body in Christ. And individually, we belong to each other. We have different gifts that are consistent with God's grace that has been given to us. If your gift is prophecy, then you should prophesy in proportion to your faith. If your gift is service, devote yourself to serving. If your gift is teaching, devote yourself to teaching. If your gift is encouragement, devote yourself to encouraging. The one giving should do it with no strings attached. The leader should lead with passion. The one showing mercy should be cheerful. What is not yet, but can be, as we partner with God, really just depends on if we are willing to make ourselves available. It's true for the church, and it's true for this community. Well, this morning we're continuing our, <clears throat> our journey through Horizon West, and I think so much of what I've put together for today and kind of thought about for today is this idea of God is looking for our availability more than our ability. And I recognize that sometimes perhaps we don't put ourselves out there or we don't step forward because we don't think, I can't, I can't do that, or I don't think I have the spiritual gifts to do that or the, the wisdom to do that. And what I've, I've learned about God is, is that God cares a lot more that we're willing to raise our hand than that we have everything that we, we need. Uh, if I've learned anything, it's that God makes up the difference on our behalf. Uh, so this week, as we continue to find God in Horizon West, we are looking at the village of Ovation. And perhaps there may be one or two people who, who live there. There's a few homes that have been built, but as you saw in the video, there's just not much there yet. But if you live in the village of Ovation, please let us know in the comments. Um, we'd love to, to connect with you and to kind of share that with you. Uh, so this morning, what we've been doing in this series is using this journey through the area of Horizon West, the area that we serve, as a way of also talking about what it means to be committed to God's church. And we've talked about that in the standard kind of membership vows or commitments that we make, um, and that we commit to being a part of the church with our prayers, with our presence, this week with our gifts, and then in the following weeks with our service and with our witness. And so these are all the things, whether it's, it's this church or whether you're in a different place and you're, watch, you're part of a different church, these are the commitments that we make to, to be a part of it in this way. And so in the scripture passage that we looked at for today, Romans 12, 1 through 8, Paul puts together this idea based off of several other ideas. And so Paul is making some assumptions about who God is and how we would respond to God. So, for example, Paul begins by letting us know that in light of all that God has done in Christ Jesus, and so Paul's really kind of zooming the camera out and taking a big picture to say, in light of everything that God has done from beginning to present and all that God will do, and then everything that God has done in Jesus, in his life, in his death, in his resurrection, in the reality that, that Jesus gave his life so that we might have life. And so Paul is trying to get us to think of everything that God has done to, to welcome us into the family, to, to save us, to give us life eternal, to give us the community called the church, to give us the gift of the Holy Spirit. Paul is saying, bring all of those thoughts together. And when we can sit back and think about all that God has done for us, it only goes to say that our natural response would be that we would say, the only way that I can pay this back, Lord, is by committing myself fully to whatever it is that you're a part of already, God. 
And, and so in a sense, this is what it means to be the church. It's not an obligation. It's not a requirement, so to speak. It's, it's our overflowing thankfulness for who God is and what God has done in Jesus Christ. So Paul's hope is that, that they will remember and that they will think about what God has done. And that in doing so, that they will, in a sense, put their hand up and say, God, I'm available. I don't know if I have the abilities or the skills or the gifts, but I'm here and I want to give and I want to serve. And I want to be a part of what you're doing. So he gives us this phrase, this idea of, of we ought to be humble and, and unified and we ought to use those gifts to serve the body. So this morning, I want to take this in, in two different approaches. Uh, maybe one surprises you, maybe the other one doesn't. But when I think about what it means to be a part of the church, and in particular to give our gifts. There's a typical way we've understood that, which matters, but also another deeper way. So the first thing, and this won't come as a surprise to any of us who've been around church for a while, is that giving as a commitment to the church means giving of our financial resources to God. Now, I recognize that even by saying that, like some of y'all may have, may have prickled up a little bit and said like, okay, here comes the money talk, right? I wish we were together and you could raise your hands and say, how many of us have heard the money talk in church before? Those, I think, always are intended to go well, and then sometimes they don't. And, and even with the best planning, for some people, the idea of connecting faith with, with finances just, just doesn't compute. And like many things, we think that those are topics best left separate. What I want to say this morning in particular about this is that giving financially is an important part but it's a part. So as we think about this, this first part, the point I want to make this morning is that giving is really a spiritual discipline. And when we really get down to the core of it, it's more about our willingness to release some of the things that are in our hands into the control of another. And in many ways, that's why it's a challenge for us. Because just like our life, it is hard to let go of something that maybe we feel we could handle better or that we just have to entrust into someone else's hand. I mean, the entire idea that we commit our lives to following Jesus means that we have to, <laughs> to let go as best we can of our life uh, and, and allow Jesus, as the country song said, to take the wheel. Right? And, and that's how it is with our finances. At least for me, it's giving to God's church is a lot more about me trusting that I will be okay if I give to God's purposes. So for me, giving has always been an act of faith. And perhaps for many of us who are watching, it is an act of faith now more than ever. What's always amazing to me is, kind of like in the scriptures, it's not the one who can give the large, gigantic gift that matters, but Jesus always highlighted the widow's might, the, the individual person who could, who could give in a way that was almost sacrificial. And I'm always amazed at those who, in a season when they're out of work or out of a job, are still finding a way to say, I, I still want to give and I still want to support what God is doing. Because to me, that shows that they are engaging their faith and they're pushing themselves into uncharted territories. And they're saying, I could spend this on things that I maybe need or want, God, but I'm entrusting it into your hands. And so part of what we, what we are a part of when we're part of a church is, is a, a gathering and a community of people that are trying to reach the community for Jesus and to connect others into refreshment. But a recognition that that also takes our finances. Uh, 
Um, some people are surprised to know that um, most churches, us included, don't kind of have like a side hustle. Like we don't have a side way that we're bringing in money to kind of support the main mission. We're, we're really a, a nonprofit organization that depends on the generosity of those who are part of it. And so as a new church, one of our journeys has been to build financial sustainability. And on the back end, that has meant our budget and those kinds of things too. But the success, part of the success of Citrus will be the extent to which those who consider themselves a part of it are willing to commit, yes, their time and their talent and their resources, and including their finances. So when Paul talks about this idea of, of our response to God is to be a part of God's church, and we talk about what it means to give, a big part of that means how we commit our financial resources to what God is doing. I want to talk for a minute about what happens when we do give, because I think many of you would suspect the usual suspects, right? The uh, paying for rent for places that we worship, paying, paying for um, staff and, and for resources and for the different elements that go into putting things together. But one of the reasons I love the fact that we're a United Methodist Church is that when you give, it goes a lot farther than we could ever go on our own. We have this thing called connectional giving, and because we're a global denomination, when you give to Citrus, a part of that goes to support the different camps and retreat centers here in Florida. Now, some of you have been a part of those camps, but for a lot of them, they're, they're people who are high schoolers and youth, and they can go to camp and they can learn about Jesus in settings that, at least for me and my faith as a high schooler, help me to encounter Christ for the first time. And you help with that. It goes to disaster relief. For example, if you've seen in the news just today about uh, another hurricane that has hit Louisiana, there are already people on the ground responding who are part of the United Methodist Church Disaster Relief, and you're helping to fund that. We have programs here in Florida that help to invest in youth and young adults. We, we have two colleges, Florida Southern College and Bethune-Cookman College in Daytona. And these are United Methodist schools that help to train up the next generation of leaders for the world. But it goes much farther beyond that. Your giving helps the United Methodist Church throughout the world. And for example, in terms of higher education, uh, it supports Africa University in Zimbabwe. It's hard for me with the time that we have this morning to really help you to see how much a gift to God's church can do. And if you're not a part of Citrus and you're a part of another church and you're kind of sneaking away and watching our feed this morning, we're really glad that you're with us. But know that you can make an impact in that way in your faith and in the faith of the community. But when Jesus asks us to give, he always asks us to give in ways that, that challenge us more and more. Um, my wife, Melanie, was a, a youth minister in, in a little city called Arlington, Georgia. And she had some very generous people there and some people that she was always grateful for. But I remember her telling me when she was a youth director there at one point in time that, that even more than money, she needed people. You know, it, it was, thank you for the gift, but I also need you. I need your help to put together this activity or this event or this lock-in or this opportunity for the youth so that they can be together and experience the love of God. And I believe that this helps us to example what Paul was trying to talk to us about, that a choice to follow Jesus is really a call to commit our whole lives. You think about the village of Ovation, and if you just saw the video, all the things that are not yet, but are planned for. It's going to take a lot of money from the developers and all those folks to build those things, but it's going to take you and I and the residents of that village to create the culture and to invest our time into making it a reality.
And so the, the term that we have for that is that God gives us spiritual gifts. Spiritual gifts. And there's 20 different gifts that are listed, but I want to focus on the ones this morning from Romans 12, verses 4 through 5. We'll put that up here on the screen. And what Paul writes here is that we have many parts of one body, but the parts don't all have the same function. In the same way, though, there are many of us, we are one body in Christ, and individually we belong to each other. There's a lot that we could talk about this morning with this, and what I want to invite us to think about this morning is this idea that as followers of Jesus, when we submit our life to Jesus, God gives us these spiritual gifts. They are abilities that perhaps we already had that God can use in new ways, or they are things that we never had before, but that through the Holy Spirit, God is able to kind of plant in us and grow in a new way. So these are things, these are gifts that come from God. The reality too is that you have gifts that I don't have. That for those of us who are here this morning, that we have different gifts. There are gifts that, that others have that I don't. Those who know me well know that there are many things I cannot do well. Uh, and so God gives each one of us different gifts because those gifts used together make up the entire puzzle. It's important for us to know what God has given to us as a gift, what abilities we have, and how we can use them. In the same way that a, a thousand-piece puzzle, thousand puzzle still looks incomplete without that 999th piece, the church looks incomplete without every one of us pouring out the gifts that we have. So we dedicate ourselves to God's service and we're willing to use our gifts wholeheartedly. And it means that we can help to fill in uh, the gaps and the places so that God's kingdom can continue to come in this area and in this world. So there's examples of these gifts lists. And what I want to do towards the end is I'm going to give you a link to a website where uh, you can take a spiritual gifts test. And perhaps many of us take polls on Facebook that tell us like which character, which movie we're most like, and that's a lot of fun. But this, uh, this poll will just give you maybe a first entrance to how God has gifted you. And it's just ask you some simple questions about how you see the world. So I'll share that in the comments. And, and if you're, you're excited, you can already go ahead to that. Um, it'll be at today at citruschurch.org. But I wanted to kind of highlight a couple ones that Paul mentions here. They're, they're teachers, they're encouragers, they're givers, there's leaders, and there's people who are kind. These are just a handful of the 20 gifts. Teachers, I think, are those who are just very clear thinkers and able to communicate complex thoughts and ideas in ways that resonate. Encouragers are people who can motivate others and can help unify a team and unite them forward towards a purpose, perhaps when the task seem over, seems overwhelming. There are those who are gifted with generosity, and while we're all called to give to God's, God's community, some have a gift that they can kind of go above and beyond, and so these are the ones who are, who are just generous and trusting. Leaders are those who are able to help organize and to manage and to really make sure that strategically God's church can move forward in all of its local forms. And then there's those who have the gift of kindness. These are the caring people. These are the ones that you most often see at the front door of a church. And these are the ones that perhaps in an intangible way allow someone who maybe visited or came on that first day to say, I really felt the warmth of God's presence through a smile, through a good morning, 
you know, back in the days when we could kind of uh, shake hands or offer hugs. The gift of kindness can make all the difference in the world. But also think how one person can't do all of these things. I mean, think about how someone who is assertive like a prophet, right? Someone who can really speak truth to power rarely makes a good counselor in a tough time. These are two different gifts and they're not often found in the same person. It's a reminder that each of us can use the things that we have. This is something that kind of stuck with me this week. Uh, The idea that our collective strengths Our collective strengths balance our collective weaknesses. We can't do everything well, but together we can balance out the weaknesses that all of us have by using our strengths. And this is really what it means to use our gifts. I want to share an example for you this morning just to kind of help better paint the picture. And it comes from Broadway United Methodist Church in Indianapolis. If you are on the live stream and you know that church, we'd love to hear from you (laughs) just if there's a fun connection. But when they thought about the idea of spiritual gifts, um, here's the way that they thought about it. They invite uh, the youth of the church to kind of go through a year-long program, we call it confirmation, where you're helping to learn and to basically to own your own faith. And in the confirmation process, you're partnered with a mentor, someone who is older in life or in wisdom and can help walk through that journey with you so that as you're learning as a class with others, other teenagers, you also have a mentor who can help you to understand and process and talk. Now, what they decided to do in that confirmation process was at the end of the year when the students had kind of reached the end of that and they were um, taking up their faith as their own, they had a big meal together and they invited the students and the mentors in the church. And what they did at that meal was they invited the adults to go around the room, one student at a time, and to say the gifts and the talents and the passions that they saw in that student. And so as the meal progressed and as they did it, each student had a chance to hear people who were older and wiser than them say, we see this gift in you, and you have a spirit of compassion, and you have the ability to believe that God's going to do something when all the rest of us doubt. And so if you can see what's happening is throughout this dinner, these students, these teenagers are just having their confidence and and their their spiritual awareness built up and strengthened and encouraged. And as the story goes, the meal ends with the students getting a chance to respond back to that. And I think how powerful that dynamic is. I think back to when I was that age and I was uncertain about my gifts and I might be reticent to speak out in a group like that. So instead of me having to take the first step, there's others who are saying what they see in me before I see it in myself. My own story of how I got to be a pastor is that there was a campus minister and there were others who long before I ever saw this as a career path or as a ministry calling for myself, saw that in me and said, we believe that you're called to be a pastor. And I was like, "Uh uh-uh, I'm teaching high school history. That's my plan. This is the power of the church. And so imagine what that could look like for us. The dinner finishes as they gather all the students together, again, pre-COVID, and they would place hands on their shoulders and the, the adults and the, the mentors would pray over them that they could fully live into their gifts to serve the church and the world. And I can only imagine what kind of seeds are planted in those dinners as they do them year after year after year 
with a new group of kids, students, each year. You see, it's not just about our finances. It's about our entire lives. And the idea that it includes our gifts and our talents and the idea that God invites us to use everything that we have and everything that we are and every gift that he's given to us in service of the kingdom. So a question I have for you is this, how does your life become a channel of God's overflowing gifts through you and for the world? Maybe to put that a little bit more simply, are you available? God gives us the abilities that we need. The biggest thing that God needs from us is a willingness to say, here I am, Lord, send me. And P.S., I have no idea what I'm doing and I'm very nervous. The world, uh, I want to I share this passage from uh, Proverbs. It's from the message translation, and so it catches us a little bit different than it did in, the, in a different translation. It says this, The world of the generous gets larger and larger, and the world of the stingy gets smaller and smaller. This is the principle that we're talking about today, is that when we are generous with our lives, when we share what we have, whether it is finances or it's just the gifts that God has given us, our world becomes larger and larger. And when we hold everything so close that it, that it can't leave, our world gets smaller and smaller. The second part of this, again, from a different translation, I'm really mixing these translations together today, from Proverbs 11:25 says, those who refresh others will themselves be refreshed. That's a good invitation for us as we got this week to say, how can I refresh the life of someone else? How can I bring something that is new or uplifting or inspiring to someone else. And maybe there's a lot of things we don't think we're good at, but there are gifts that God has given to you. And as you use those, they will bring refreshment into others' lives. So as your next step for today, I want to invite you to, um, to check out a spiritual gifts assessment. And you'll find that at todayatcitrus.org. Just click the link that says spiritual gifts assessment. You can take that in just a couple of minutes and it'll give you some results. I would love to know maybe perhaps what your top three gifts are. Uh, I would love to just kind of extend that conversation. If you've never done that before, I would love to have that conversation with you. But this will give you an idea of how God has equipped you and how you can bring that refreshment to others. Thanks for listening. Make sure to visit our website, citruschurch.org. If you found refreshments in this message, share it with a friend. And hey, God loves you.